0: Welcome to the Offshore Accountant Podcast. I'm Nick Sinclair and this is the go-to podcast if you're an accountant and looking to set up and build a high-performing offshore team for your accounting firm. Here you can learn how to complement your local efforts, grow capacity, and deliver more to clients than ever before. Hear from experts who have done it already. Let's go. Today I interviewed Annie Konza, Managing Director for Addit Accountants for the Offshore Accountant Podcast. There are sometimes negative and incorrect perceptions around the impact of having an offshore team can have on local jobs. Make sure you tune in to hear Annie's fascinating insights into how their offshore team has provided more high value local work and roles for her firm. I'm
1: Annie Konza, Director at Addit Accountants and you're listening to the Offshore Accountant Podcast.
0: Annie, thank you for coming on the show today. Give us a little bit of an overview about yourself um, and your business, your team structure, both locally and offshore.
1: Okay, so what we have is we have three full-time staff in New Zealand and one part-time contractor. Uh, We have one full-time staff in uh, Melbourne and two in the Philippines. So um, we are a company who likes to provide a number of services to a small amount of clients so rather than having just doing compliance we provide a number of services bookkeeping compliance business development
0: excellent now you're not a traditional um business owner in the accounting space tell us a little bit about yourself and your background
1: right okay yeah so I'm not a qualified accountant um, which up until now has been quite unusual because most accountants um, you know that run their business are qualified accountants so I've come from the technology space. I um, worked in a law firm as technology manager. I've also run um, a family business for 25 years um, from a very young age and so I came into the accounting arena more from the sort of financial side of actually running businesses rather than the compliance side and it's the technology that really got to me I loved the opportunity to work with technology and work with business owners who weren't necessarily tech savvy and they were really struggling to find someone that understood what they were going through, as well as actually have the ability to help them with the technology and put systems and processes in place.
0: And that's excellent. And I'm, I'm assuming you employ obviously very good tax people um, in the business in specific roles to obviously do that side of the business as well.
1: Absolutely, so we've got two qualified accountants on board, one in the Philippines and and one in New Zealand. Obviously with our um, team members in the Philippines we've trained them on New Zealand tax um, but they're very extremely fast learners and really keen to learn and understand the systems.
0: Excellent, now does your business have a specific niche or or are you more of a generalist um, firm?
1: Yeah, we do have a niche, but not in the traditional sense. So, our niche is technology. Uh, so, what we do is we actually assist uh, our clients to actually put systems in place. So, that's all based around the Zero Hub. Um, And then we expand from there with the additional third party apps, helping them put processes in place and give them back their time within their businesses, but also teach them and train them uh, and understand them going through that process so that they actually start enjoying the accounting and finance side of their business.
0: Yeah, that's it. That's exciting. I haven't seen too many accounting firms that are really taking that focus. But, you know, there's a huge need for it, um, particularly with small businesses globally. Just technology is one of the biggest challenges. You can have any technology, but if you're not actually using it and implementing it, it's, it's just another cost to the business. So, look, Annie, tell us a little bit about your story of setting up your offshore team. What were your motivations behind doing this? Accounting firms have lots of priorities, but what was the main motivator um, for you setting up an offshore team?
1: Yeah, I almost came to the table kind of kicking and screaming, um, which was a little bit frustrating for myself because I I feel I consider myself a really early adopter Uh, so when Xero was launched in August 2007 um, I was the first non-accounting consultant to come on board uh, seeing the opportunities and the fact that it was online Um, so and then started listening to Rob Nixon um and when he came to New Zealand and then after that um over podcasts etc so um Rob Nixon said that I had to do it and and he said if if as an accounting profession, we didn't embrace outsourcing, then we were going to lose big time and we were going to, our businesses were really not going to grow and we were going to get left behind. And as soon as he said that I was going to be left behind when I considered myself an early adopter, there was really no choice for me. Um, I, I really valued what Rob Nixon has to say, what Rob Drury has to say. I've based my business uh, that's been going for six years now on their principles. And so, yeah, it was kind of, my arm was kind of held behind my back a little bit, um, but I just knew I had to do it. I just had to embrace it.
0: Excellent. So how did you go about setting up um, a team overseas? How did you find um, us, What the recruiting, the onboarding, what was the process and how long did it take?
1: So I once again I was at another one of Rob Nixon's one day seminars in New Zealand and um, Cameron from TOA had a stand there and I really connected with Cameron straight away because I felt that he didn't just tell me what I wanted to hear he really had a genuine interest in helping us and that really connected with me because in my role it is to serve my clients and help them within their businesses and of course in turn that helps me with mine so our connection was a connection based on trust and integrity straight away and you don't always get that Um, so that was a big plus for me also at that seminar I also spoke to Um, accounting firms that were larger than mine because at that stage I only had three staff. And although I'm not very big now, we are able to offer a lot of services. So I spoke to those other firms right there firsthand, face-to-face, and they gave me some really good ideas about how outsourcing was working within their practices Um, they also told me the the challenges that they had as well at the beginning and so that really gave me a little bit of knowledge about what to look out for and um, and how to go about the whole process but um, you know the fact that someone had walked there before was actually a little bit easier for me in this case
0: you know, I completely agree and that's one of our biggest focuses um, at the outsourced account is really building the community of clients because we've had clients that have been doing it for a long time now and if you don't have to go through the same challenges that they did, obviously, it's going to fast track your, your process. Um, so Annie, for someone looking to set up an offshore team, what advice would you give them to help them um, move as quickly as possible to scale the team and to get the most efficiency out of the team? Are there two or three um, critical things that you would spend your time on
1: yeah definitely I think being paperless is a huge benefit to going offshore because we didn't have any of the issues of sharing information getting documents scanned in um, and and the uh, team member having access to the information so our systems were really well set up right from the get-go and I think if we didn't have that we would have really struggled Um, another area was that I I didn't rush into the recruitment process and as far as I I just kept interviewing until I found the person that had the right fit for our business Um, and also we use a portal that was recommended to us by uh, the outsourced accountants and that's the really secure portal which allows us to set up the desktop for the team member and feel confident about the security around that There's a couple of other things was having technical support in New Zealand that were able to log into the computers offshore and help me with the setup process. Also the TOA team, the technical team were really helpful and also me actually having uh, a lot of knowledge about my systems and how they worked, what made it a lot easier to actually train um, our new team member as well.
0: Yeah, excellent. So if you had a word or a phrase to describe the value that your offshore team provides, what would it be?
1: Support. Yeah, they really support us and um, our team team members, they really want to be part of our team and they want to help us do our jobs better um, and take the stress off us. So support is really what I feel they do for us.
0: Excellent. Now there's a lot of perceptions about offshoring. What are the main things that you've heard and what surprised you the most um, since you've been on the journey of offshoring and having a global um, workforce?
1: Yeah, I think partly it was the difficulty to manage the quality and and possibly the integrity of the team members. That's what I'd heard. Um, but I just have found that the total dedication from our team members to be really task orientated and want to assist their team members make their job easier um, has really taken a lot of stress out of our you know client facing roles and um, so yeah I was a little bit unsure to start with but um, I just listened took advice from you know Rob Nixon people that I'd spoken to the fantastic team at TOA who really helped us through the process and I really haven't had a bad experience about that with the whole process which I'm really happy about.
0: You know, that's excellent. So the year ahead, what's your plan for, I suppose, your overall business? Um, what what contribution does your offshore team um, have to that? And how do you keep growing your team offshore, their capacity and obviously their performance?
1: Yeah, so um, we're, we're a relatively small practice and I, am, I like having a small team. I think what happened with Um, clients that I'd spoke to at previous accounting practices that I'd worked on was that, that, you know, get a connection with a senior and then they would be passed on and passed on and passed on. So I think that bigger isn't always better. For some people it is. Uh, For us it isn't. What we're looking at doing is working with a small group of clients really well and, that, they, that those clients have the connections to our people for the wider areas of their business. So one client might work with all six of our staff members and different or team members in different ways within their business. So they get to know everybody, but they don't feel like they're pushed from pillar to post. So I really feel like we've got the wide amount of people in our sort of, New Zealand and Australian team, which is four in total. Uh, And when we're growing the business, we will actually look at bringing in more offshore teams. So that will be supporting in the bookkeeping side because we actually do a lot of one-stop shop processes for our clients where we manage their entire finance department. So we'll be looking at bringing on more bookkeepers or bookkeeper slash accountants in the offshore team.
0: Yeah, excellent, fantastic. So uh, I completely agree with you, big is not always better and and some of the most profitable firms that I've seen are are not the huge um, firms. And if you look at profit per partner, um, and any of the statistics that are out in the good, bad, and ugly reports, and any of the other reports that are out there in the industry, the the large, the big four are not always the the most profitable on profit per partner. A lot of these small firms that are very niche and very focused um, can run really good businesses and be very um, have great work-life balance, great profitability, and clients really connect with you, which is. It certainly sounds like um, your clients would get a great experience with you. So some recommendations for our listeners. What are some of the top things that you would, that you do in managing an offshore team? What What would be your advice for our listeners on what things that they should definitely do if they're starting the offshoring journey?
1: Yeah, well, I think it goes back to our core values. So a big part of our core values with an Edit is that um, our family is first. So that's really difficult to do in the business environment because we're taught to actually put, you know, our career before everything else. And, you know, that's not a good way to look at life. So the big thing is that we are a family. Um, our team and at it and so we get to know each other um, you know as far as what we like to do outside of work as well so it's not all about work for us because then we feel more connected and more understood when we do come to work Um, so that's keeping connected as a big thing so we have a weekly team meeting on Skype uh, where everyone logs in we can see everybody's face and Uh, everyone has an opportunity to just let us know what's happening in their life as well as any issues or areas that they'd like to bring up as far as the working environment but also we take the opportunity to celebrate our successes as well at that point. So we we like to discuss um, achievements within the team as well, whether that's professional or personal. Um, We we ensure that we're constantly keeping in touch by email and um, we use Skype extensively for reviews and training. So as often as we can get a Skype meeting as opposed to flicking emails backwards and forwards we do because it's so easy to connect on and and just discuss through the, the queries or um questions that our team members have yeah so that's probably the areas that you know that that we keep it's really keeping connected um and making sure that everyone feels valued within the team and that their outside pressures are understood and valued
0: yeah, excellent. Look, and that really connects with the Philippines because they are very family focused. So, you know, great, great connection and I'm sure will benefit you moving forward. So if we're talking about metrics or KPIs, what KPIs do you measure for the success of your offshore team? How do you know that they are performing?
1: Yeah, I think that part of it is is how stressed I feel. And if I don't feel stressed, then I feel like the team's working. Because often as a business owner, you you don't want to put a lot of stress on all your team members. You tend, tend to absorb it yourself. Um, so I think it's it's, it's how um, relaxed and happy and productive everyone's feeling within their own roles really gives me an idea about um, how the offshore and the onshore team is is actually performing which is kind of a weird KPI but there you go.
0: <laughs> Excellent so how has offshoring benefited your clients?
1: Well I think we turn around things quicker um, but actually what a, a huge um, benefit that we've actually been able to achieve through the offshoring is that I have been able to take on a senior accountant in New Zealand um, and and actually hand over all of the compliance work over to the senior and for her to manage that the compliance area we've also been able to take her on a business development manager also in New Zealand and, um, and I've been able to work more closely with that person whereas if we hadn't been able to offshore Um, effectively and and quite honestly have a really cost effective solution we wouldn't have actually been able to pay the salaries that we need to pay to get the best people in the roles in the client facing areas so I don't believe that we would we definitely wouldn't be in the position that we are now uh, without our offshore team and we wouldn't be able to be providing the additional services to our clients without them.
0: Yeah, that's excellent. So how has um, offshoring contributed to you personally um, with your own time? Has it given you more um, life work balance?
1: It definitely has, and partly it's bringing on the seniors um, in New Zealand, but partly it's um, having those team members that are so dedicated to the overall team results and it goes back once again to that core values of, you know, understanding that our team members in the Philippines are very focused on family and so am I, so family is extremely important. Um, And so, for instance, you know, we've just recently had one of our team members um, who's um, one of her parents aren't very well. And so she uh, needed to change or wanted to change her hours to suit being able to be more available for her parent. And we can accommodate that easily. But the great thing was that she was very comfortable about asking If that was possible, and I think we've created that is that we want to create a lifestyle for our team, whether they're here or somewhere else in the world, and it's that communication and that understanding. Um, and our core values that sort of allows us to do that and, and guides us through
0: that process. No, that's brilliant. And, you know, I, I really hope that a lot more accounting, or well, the people listening today take a lot of this on board because we just see so many accounting firms expecting so many hours out of their team and they just don't have any work-life balance. It's all about productivity and it's not achievable in the eight hours mm-hmm. that they're working. And, you know, the one feedback we have is that offshoring generally gives firms more time, um, which... Time to focus on clients and time to not have to be sitting at your desk and actually spending time outside of work. So, how has offshoring um, had an effect on your average hourly rate, if that's how you track it, or overall profit to your firm?
1: Uh, it's definitely enabled the firm to be more profitable, um, but it's much bigger than that for me personally, and it's about it's given me my work life balance back and so for me you know you can earn all the money in the world but if you have no time to share that money with your family and your friends and you feel like you're just chasing your tail constantly then you know it's a very little value so it's all about bringing that balance in um and also being able to offer that balance to other team members so we just secured our um our senior accountant based on the fact that we have The option for uh, flexible hours, um, to be able to work from home, to miss traffic, to have school times for young children and all those sorts of things. So it's more about really being able to really live the core values. It just keeps on coming back to that.
0: And you know, I love it, and look, i've I've been on both sides of the spectrum where I just worked and worked and worked massive hours. and and now on the other flip side, now I've got some real great balance in my life. and like, like you said, you know money can't buy your freedom. um only time can do that. So um, a little bit of advice. So what bit of advice would you give a younger version of yourself um from a business sense?
1: Um, I think probably to be more confident in my own abilities. Um, and that's probably just from coming into the consulting area when my previous life as a technology manager of a medium-sized law firm I felt very confident because I felt secure in a corporate environment but once you go out and and you're self-employed and you're starting up you know consulting and businesses and in my case six years ago an accounting practice you're not too sure whether you're actually able or capable to do what you really see as these big lofty goals you have in mind. So um, I'd say, you know, be, be more confident in my abilities would be something that I would tell my younger self and probably even tell myself that today. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Excellent. What What has been the biggest myth or objection you've heard about having an offshore team? And is it true?
1: I think it's that area of um, of difficult to manage and um, manage the quality and the integrity. But I think that that's really based on our own limitations as business owners. If we don't have the systems in place, then we can't manage the quality. And if we don't choose the right person and, and really focus really well on the recruitment process then we're not going to get the right person so it's it really comes back to that yes it's 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 out there as a myth but it's really making sure that we are actually capable of offshoring not that offshoring is capable of doing what we need.
0: Excellent advice so for someone looking to grow their their business what is the best piece of advice that you've heard um, and implemented that you could pass on?
1: um i would say employ people um people member, team members that have higher skills than you don't be afraid of that um you know if you're going to pass on high level work to people they've got to have really good skills so that would be one thing you know um employ people that have got better skills than you in, in different areas uh, attend uh, I've been attending Xerocon uh, since the second one that was available. And it really gives you the enthusiasm to get through the year um, because, you know, we we flag partway through with the pressures. Um, so it, we get together with like-minded people. We share ideas. We're not afraid of helping each other in the accounting industry with certain um, practices. We're not afraid of sharing our information. And... Um, because it's not about taking some a piece of someone else's pie it's just making it bigger let's make it bigger let's provide more services you know let's really uplift our businesses um, rather than worrying about what we're winning or what we're losing um, I'd say listen as much as you can to, to Rob Nixon uh, read The Perfect Firm and the other books that he's published they're absolutely brilliant scary but brilliant Um, Listen to Rod Dury as much as you can and be in his presence as much as you possibly can because he is an incredible person and entrepreneur and is all about helping us to achieve what we want to achieve in order to help our New Zealand businesses and obviously around the world and um, yeah understand that there's no limit to the clients that you can attract and there's no limit to what you can provide for them if you put the systems in place so just because it may not be a traditional service that an accounting practice provides that doesn't matter if you want to provide it and you enjoy it and the clients need it then go for it those are mine
0: Thanks. That's a, yeah, that's some brilliant advice, so there's, there's heaps of heaps of that that I love and the community piece is a big one, uh, you know, accounting firms, there, there's enough work for everyone, so why not work together and learn from each other? And that's certainly one of the big things that we really try to promote with our clients through our TOA Ignite um, Facebook group or just overall, just trying to get people to learn and share experiences because it's the best way to learn and grow. So, Annie, I'm going to ask you a quick five questions, um, you've answered some of these brief Briefly throughout our chat today but quick five questions what cloud software do you
1: use okay so um, we use quite a lot of different cloud software because my whole business was started on a cloud pat- platform so we of course we use Xero um, and we're a 100% Zero practice um, we use Zero practice manager we use Zero work papers we use Zero financial statements um, we use iPayroll we use Microsoft 365. We use the Gap. We use Receipt Bank. We use Invitbox, We use Connectworks. We use Sweet Files. We use Z Drive, um, Adobe Creative Cloud, Harmony inside our Outlook, SharePoint, um, New, um, New Zealand e filing, um, and you know, obviously, as much um, um, apps on our handheld devices as possible. Zero touch. Um, the zero education portal so yeah we're pretty we're pretty keen on the whole technology process
0: yeah, I can tell and, and that's fantastic. So what is your favorite app? So what's your one favorite app that you have personally? <laughs> zero. <laughs> zero. Yep.
1: Zero. Yeah.
0: Zero um, Blue smear. Excellent. I always,
1: yeah. I, I just honestly don't think that I would actually be in the accounting profession now if we did not have zero. Um it just it just makes everything so accessible. And I'm all about putting the information in once and using it multiple times. And that's what the Xero platform allows us to do. But also we sit at our desk and we actually love the process of the work that we do. We're not sitting frustrated because we can't find anything. We can't do anything. We have to input the data, you know, on three different platforms or 10 different platforms. So I think that that has given us our complete building and collaboration foundation to the accounting profession. And I just don't know how anyone can do it without it.
0: Excellent. So what's your must read each week for the accounting industry? What's the one thing that you read each week? Uh,
1: Definitely something out of something I've highlighted out of Rob Nixon's books. Uh, so I've got them constantly available for me to just pick up and read a bit to get me enthusiastic uh, but also Twitter uh, because it keeps me updated with what everyone else is doing what's happening in the tech space so that I don't get behind and um, what's happening of course you can't know everything because there's so many exciting things going on but it is important to know what's happening out there. Start to look at a piece of new software, you know, read about, you know, something innovative that an accounting firm or a software house is doing and see whether that's gonna fit with, you know, our suite of products that we use and recommend to clients.
0: Excellent. So would I be right in assuming your favourite social media channel is Twitter?
1: (laughs) Yeah, definitely.
0: (laughs) Excellent. And your favourite KPI, what's your favourite KPI for your business?
1: Yeah, once again, not conventional, it's happy. Are we happy? Yeah. um And if we're happy, then we're doing it right. And of course, being happy, you know, having profitability and cash flow, you know, no cash flow issues obviously makes us happy. So it's all tied into that. Um, but, you know, like I said before, you can have all the money in the world, but if you haven't got that work life balance, you're not going to be happy. So that's a big gauge for me, is happy, happiness for myself and for my team. When we get together in a Skype meeting, is everyone excited to talk to each other? If we got smiling faces, you know, um, on the screen and is everyone engaged?
0: Excellent. Love it. Love it, honey. So how if any of our listeners want to get in contact with you, um, what's the best way for them to get in contact?
1: Is Twitter the best way Um, to get in contact? Yeah, probably Twitter is the best way. Yeah, it's interesting because with the accounting practice that I've got, obviously we do compliance and business development, and uh, you know finance department management. But I also um, assist a small amount of accounting firms to become paperless and get involved with helping them to pull all this technology together. But it could be a full-time job because there's so many accountants that need the help. So that's why I'm a little bit afraid of saying, you know, how am I able to be contacted because there just isn't the time to actually help. But um, I'm always happy to talk to someone about how the the outsourcing process has helped me. And I often do get calls from um, principals that are looking to find out about the outsource process. And I just actually get a real excitement out of telling people how it's really helped us, because it can be a little bit, you know, scary, the process, Um, especially if someone they've talked to someone that didn't plan the process correctly and they didn't have the internal processes themselves. You know, if you don't have the internal processes, then how can you expect for, you know, someone in another country where English is their second language to actually understand the process? So, I get excited about telling people how it all works.
0: Really appreciate um, your advice today, the wisdom that you shared. Um, Look, you know, your passion comes through, um, your values just come through so strong, and and I love it. They're really aligned to a lot of, obviously, ours at the Outsourced Accountant and and part of our Philippines culture. So, thank you again for your time, and um, really look forward to catching up with you soon.
1: Yeah, thanks very much, uh, Nick, because we really thank you. You know, the outsourced accountants and our team members in the Philippines have really made the difference to our practice and to our team members and we're really excited because we're all getting together at Xerocom this year Uh, so the whole team's going to be together so it'll be the first time that we all meet and just to be able to give that opportunity to our team members to come and really be excited about um, attending an accounting conference, which is you know bizarre in itself to be excited about that. But we really thank you for what you've provided for us. We really do.
0: No, thank you and look forward to catching up with you at ZeroCon. we'll certainly be there. To follow our podcast and get insights from leading accountants, simply visit com, or visit iTunes or SourCloud and head to the Offshore Accountant Podcast. To connect with me personally, just look for my Twitter handle, at Nick Hugh Sinclair, or find me on LinkedIn at Nick Sinclair. Thanks, and have a great day.